Well, the podcast is running a bit late this month. Uh, I'll probably release it today, but even so, it should have been out probably about a week ago. But I've been having to think about the release dates, and I think I might alter the release date to round about now. Certainly between the 13th and the 20th of each month. It just works out easier for me. I usually find that I'm quite busy at the start of a month, either starting on a job or trying to complete something. So it just makes sense for me if I have a window quite wide that I can that I can aim for. And I think between the 13th and the 20th will be about right. Next month's podcast is going to be a bit experimental. I'm going away soon to shoot some stuff in Norfolk. Um, as those of you who visit the blog and see my website on a regular basis uh, may know, I've been involved in a long-term photo project down there since about 2004. It actually started before that, but really I, I didn't start seriously considering it as a project until after 2004. Um, and I want to try and do some podcasts some outside broadcast podcasts using my iphone i've got two alternatives i'm going to use both i'm going to use audio boo which i haven't used for about three months i just haven't really had very much to say to be brutally honest but um i will when i'm down there so i can release them while i'm down there and shooting but i will also record some other small five-minute podcasts that I'll be able to put together and make a program for next month. I don't know what the audio quality is going to be like. Um, it could be a bit of a nightmare if it's windy. I'm I'm not using any specialist gear particularly. I'm just using an iPhone, so it, it might be a bit hit and miss, but we'll see what we can, uh, we can do. Right, on to the news. A bit of housekeeping. Uh, the Darker Skies website's had its design slightly changed again in the last month. I've been fiddling around. Wasn't really happy with the design of that website until now. It's looking fabulous. It's looking great. Um, I've removed one or two bits and pieces and added a few bits and pieces and things. The podcast page looks absolutely great because it is actually just a, a page now uh, with with no sidebar or anything like that. Um, so it's easy to navigate. It's, it's easy to find. It certainly has been a period of change for the the look and design of my online presence my online pages uh i didn't really start out like that originally i was just going to try and do my own just change my own website but i don't know for some reason i just went mad and decided i would do everything over a period of time the twitter page has changed uh background images have changed on that uh darker skies has changed this the layout and design of course the main website has switched over to wordpress which is is working great there's one still one or two things to iron out there one or two problems and things but i'll soon sort that that out the other thing <coughs> well this is a gear thing and i know that a lot of photographers have problems coming up with ideas for what gear they're going to get next there's that much out there I don't know about you, but I, I get confused. You know, you look at a a digital camera, for instance, and you might consider, well, 
I might get that one. And then a manufacturer will release another one maybe a week later. And you think, oh, well, that looks great because that does, you know, something else. Well, I've actually finally made a decision on a couple of cameras that I'm considering getting. I'm not going to mention any makes or anything like that because I, I'm not particularly... Uh, I don't think it's that important to be honest but I might mention it later on when I actually uh, when I've actually got them I might do a little video or something like that or record an audio thing using it the first one is going to be a 5.4 camera I'm after a 5.4 camera uh, and I intend getting one certainly by the autumn uh, and that's for me that isn't a work camera although it possibly could be used as a work camera of course but that's for me the digital camera which I'm also going to get is mainly for work because most the vast majority of my work is done digitally so it makes sense for me to uh, to up upgrade that I've sort of made my mind up in which direction I'm going digital wise um, but of the two quite honestly I could really yeah I think I would probably actually buy the 5.4 if someone says you can only get one I would probably only get the 5.4 because I really do want to start doing some 5.4 photography again the film is out there um, I know there's been a lot of things written in the last uh, few weeks about the death of film uh, one article mentioned how in the next 10 years they believe that film will become unavailable in the U United States I don't actually believe that I, I think there are still a lot of areas that film cover that digital still doesn't. Medium format photography and large format photography, 5, 4, 10, 8 especially. Um, I think if impossible, the impossible, I can't even say it, the impossible project can restart making Polaroid film after all of this time. And they seem as though they're doing well out of it. They seem as though they're continuing to, to manufacture film and bring in new products and things then I believe that if a niche prod product like uh, Polaroid can exist then I don't see why 35mm film in black and white certainly but certainly the the 120 and 5.4 and even 10.8 formats I think will be able to survive in a marketplace because there will be the demand there's a lot of people out there that still take film that still shoot film I describe film and digital as being two sides of the same coin. Uh, to say that one is better than the other is is wrong. Um, digital has fantastic results. It's flexible. It's great for shooting in low light. But there, it's a different type of um, workflow working with film than it is digital um, I shoot film I then scan it and then I manipulate the the image in Photoshop I don't have a darkroom anymore so to speak I actually got asked this question on Twitter recently oh, what's your darkroom like well I don't actually have one I just have somewhere where I can develop my own film and then a scanner and Photoshop does the rest um, would I like a darkroom set up Yes, I probably would. If I if I managed to win the lottery, I probably would have my own darkroom. Um, but it's it's time considerations. Uh, the time that it takes me to to do a, a photograph in Photoshop, and the time that it takes me to do it in a darkroom, um, 
you know you could argue that uh, digital is far better for workflow and and you can see the results there and then I can show them to clients which is something that I can't do with with film I have had a few jobs though where the client has wanted it taken on film so it's not totally died out it's not um, it's not as rare as you would think so I definitely believe that there's a bit of scaremongering going on and what I found rather depressing was the fact that there was a whole lot of people who were were whinging a bucket full about you know they were obviously digital fanatics uh, and they were obviously on the other side there were film fanatics and I just thought it was rather depressing that they were both having a go at each other and at the end of the day it's the image it's the photograph that matters it's not what you take it on it's the photograph itself when we look at all of these old um, photographs I mean for instance Robert Kappa's images of landing on the beaches of Normandy do we look at those photographs and go, oh yes, that was taken on a 35mm contacts? No, we don't. We just take a look at those photographs and think how brilliantly brave, or stupidly brave, depending on your point of view, he was. How the photographs certainly represent the struggle and the sheer terror, even, of you know landing onto a shore under enemy fire. And we... We don't take into consideration a lot of the time what the pictures were taken on. So it doesn't matter. Digital, film, Polaroid, iPhone, uh, Android phone, um, a cheap £5 camera from uh, a charity shop. I went and put a photograph, uh, the ones that were on Darker Skies a while ago that were of uh, North Wales. That was taken on a camera that I think cost me about £4.50. And I've never had so much fun. It's rickety. You have to do everything yourself. The shutter's a bit iffy. Uh, but that's what makes makes it fun. That's what you enjoy. You enjoy taking photos. And it's great when you get great results from a camera that you know is just one stage away from a pinhole camera. Right then, we're on to links. We'll get away from the digital film argument as quick as possible because uh, I could rant about that for most of the podcast. Right, we're going to start off with James Nactwe. James Nactwe, of course, is a bit of an old veteran when it comes to photojournalism. Originally, he was a member of uh, the Magnum Photo Agency for a number of years, but he sort of like fell out with them over probably use of his work or something like that. Um, and he's done a piece about the Thailand's drug scourge, and this is about compulsory, compulsory re rehabilitation. Uh, boot camps for drug drug addicts, and there's an especially hardcore one which is run by well, from what it says here, it sounds as though it's run by the uh, Thai Navy, uh, Special Naval School for Drug Addicts Rehabilitation, uh, where hardcore drug users get hardcore treatment. It's not one of Nactui's greatest uh, photo stories, but it is at least getting away from where a lot of photojournalists seem as though they're concentrating at the moment. Libya, Afghanistan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, if you have 20 photojournalists basically doing the same story, it's not very interesting, is it? Uh, and there's lots of things in this world that need covering. And this was just one story that uh, it was interesting to see how Nactui approached the story and how we um, photographed it. Uh, there's some 
great images in there. The next one, I'm just waiting for it to boot up on the computer, is uh, Money and Dreams in Australia's Outback. Again, this is another story that's away from the usual blood and gore of the war zones. This is about shooting in the Australian Outback, and it was done uh, worker shortage basically in the middle of Australia's mining boom and the photographer went to uh, I'm not even going to a Karatha I think they pronounce that uh, which is a small town in Australia's northwest and apologize if I said that it's about a six hour flight from Sydney apparently anyway the photographs I mean the light looks absolutely amazing uh, and the colors as well the first picture you come across is um, a kangaroo. I don't think it's a wallaby. Um, it looks like a kangaroo, and there's these red rocks that it's perched on. Uh, absolutely stunning images and the the light and things. But this mining town, uh, part of the mining boom, um, and it encourages a whole lot of people to 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 live there. And in in fact, uh, wages are very good. Gardeners earn, according to this, 30 Australian dollars an hour. Cleaners can earn 25 Australian dollars an hour. And semi-skilled workers can, you know, bring in about $100,000 a year, which, you know, is, is pretty good. But the downside of that is, is that there isn't very much accommodation. Um, and it means that groups of 10 or 15 people uh, are living in three-bedroom houses for around about $2,000 a week rent. So it sort of covers how the economy is, is skewed by the success of a place, uh, in many respects, a bit like the gold rushes that happened in America at the end of the uh, 19th century. So again, it's an interesting photo story, but it doesn't. it's going away from what we usually see, which tend to be all about conflicts in the world or people starving to death, which there's nothing the matter with reporting that. But like I say, you just tend to end up with about 40 photojournalists as soon as uh, people start starving, arrive on the first plane along with the, uh, along with the aid agencies. Another one that I'm going to include this month. I don't know whether I should actually have this on the podcast or whether I should include it as a, uh, a link, uh, a bonus link. Well, I, I might encourage it. Gordon Wiltsey is um, a photographer and he's done some pretty impressive images of extreme camping and rock climbing. Um, now, the photographs themselves are just quite amazing. The The first photograph you come across is uh, a, uh, a set of rock climbers who are camping out on a 4,000-foot vertical rock, uh, cliff face. Um, and they've got everything um, connected to the, to the... They're basically just hanging there. Everything is just hung up. And they just spend the night there and then carry on climbing. Well, quite honestly, the idea of hanging... Uh, in a tent 4,000 feet on a 4,000 foot vertical cliff face where you can barely see the, the floor uh, where, where you started from uh, just not my idea of fun technically it's very impressive photography because it's I, I imagine it's pretty difficult to get these images in that kind of environment They uh, the next shot after this uh, 
the second shot on, in the gallery shows uh, climber. I, I, it's a fantastic image of rock climbing, and it, it can't be that easy to get images like that. So that's Gordon um, Gordon Wilsey's work. The next one is ah. Now this is going to be interesting for my pronunciation. Ellen Hoyland, who was a Norwegian, is a Norwegian photographer, and she photographed two brothers over a period of time. Now these two brothers had lived together all their life on a small farm in rural Norway. The images that she she takes, you know, is a beautiful example of capturing characters on film, capturing people on film and the way that they live. Um, it works both as a documentary piece, but it also works fabulously as portraiture too. So I would certainly recommend you take a look at that. Uh, and that's uh, that's one of the Guardian's photography galleries, which I'm most impressed with. We're going th rattling through them today, the, the links. The next one, ah, I did feature this on the blog. It's Remember Me. But it is a very important project. It's all about um, finding some children that were photographed in one of the refugee camps in 1945. They know who they are, but they want to find them all these years later and find out what happened to them after the, the photograph was taken. Uh, they've already found quite a few. Uh, but the idea is, is just to build some information up about what happened to these kids after they were photographed in this in this camp, and uh, the pictures, you know, are, are quite heartbreaking. But it would be nice if all of the um, kids, their histories could be could be found, you know, and find out what happened to them. Some of them uh, ended up uh, going to uh, America. Some of them ended up going to to Canada. One or two uh, ended up uh, elsewhere. Quite a few of them ended up in. Israel. So far about uh, 70 or 80 have been identified out of a thousand and it's only the project's only been running since the end of March so that's quite impressive. It, it, this is one of the reasons why I think the net is just such a valuable tool because otherwise it'd be really really difficult to spread that information out but with uh, the internet it's easy easy to do. That's it for this month's podcast, folks. I will put another special link on the podcast page and I will see you all next month. Bye. For more information on these podcasts, go to richardflintphoto.com forward slash podcasts. And for details about the links mentioned in this podcast, go to darker-skies.com forward slash podcast.